This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. I'm your host, Asher Tolliver. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are rolling right along through September, and joining me on the phone is the man in charge of Dive Bomb Canada, Mr. Ben Commodore. Ben, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going today, Asher? It's going pretty good. How's everything going there in Brooks, Alberta? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, finally, our goose season and duck season opened here yesterday on the 8th, and it's uh, kind of hunting season's in the air, and everybody's getting after it, seeing pictures online and stuff. It's good. How's the weather? Uh, right now, uh, it's probably about 50 or so out. Uh, a little smoky this afternoon from some fires in British Columbia, but that looks to be clearing out. I'm just looking out the warehouse, the front doors of the warehouse here, and it's uh, a little breezy, but relatively warm, actually. Um, if you were hunting, you'd want to get your meat kind of taken care of pretty pretty quick so you don't have to worry about spoilage. What's the temperature been early in the morning? You know, like when you're uh, this, morning, this morning was about... Uh, five and five, uh, about 32, uh, sorry, 35, 36 Fahrenheit. I'm just trying to do quick. Ah, uh, okay. I forgot Celsius to Fahrenheit. Yeah. 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 That's, I got you. Um, so you're hanging out right there on that freezing mark. Yeah, it's been, I'm probably a little wrong on my conversion math on my conversion there. We're, we're probably a little warmer than that. Um, but it's like you you can see your breath in the morning at times, um, especially real early. And then this morning, quite a bit of dew on the ground. And it, it was a nice chill in the air this morning. That's for sure. Yeah. That's definitely something I haven't felt this year. Well, maybe a little bit in Maryland in the evening. One evening, the first night we got there, it was pretty nice. It cooled off a little bit. I, I don't know that it got below like, geez, maybe high 40s maybe 50 fahrenheit but I, I guess it felt almost like a chill coming from 100 degrees uh with the heat index of 110 here in arkansas so really anything almost felt like fall or a chill when in reality it probably wasn't to most people but it felt felt pretty good to me <laughs> coming from it's nice it's nice you know where i live you you walk outside and, and we're starting to get better i'd say these last like four to five days have, have been a little bit better, but man, the end of August, early September, first few days, it's just like that smothering heat. You know, you just walk outside and your shirt automatically starts sticking to your back and it's just miserable this time of year. But we've, we've turned a corner, I believe, and better days ahead. Well, maybe not better for all the beach and lake goers for us waterfowlers better and cooler days are ahead i'll say that so i'm pretty pumped about it absolutely yeah if your heat's anything like what it was in st louis when we were there <laughs> man I... <laughs> yeah it was it, it's on another level now have you gotten an opportunity to get out this year uh yep yeah we um i was uh did a couple of hunts with um some outfitters uh in saskatchewan 
last weekend and then southern alberta we opened on uh yesterday actually wednesday the 8th and cut out with some some good friends of mine and um ended up shooting with five guys and we got our five-man limit of speckle belly geese and a five-man limit of ducks along with uh, a few extra honkers so so you got you, got you a double double and some honkers and you also somebody left with their lanyard a little bit heavier yeah uh one of the guys hunting with us uh buddy joe he uh he ended up winning the draw on a uh on a banded speckle belly goose that uh turned out to be 10 years old wow where did he come from did you guys report it yet yeah, we reported it. It came from uh, the Yukon. I cannot remember the name of the town, um, but it was right near the Yukon-Alaska border. Um, it's kind of way up there, up north. And interesting, um, interestingly enough, they're, I'm 99% sure it's where they do most of the spec banning, or did. Um, there was uh, a couple other specs that were shot in our friend group, uh, banded on the first when the northern part opened and both bands came from the same banding location. Hmm. Um, so. So with you guys shooting speckle bellies, are you seeing a migration start to take place? We're seeing some specs. Um, I mean, I was seeing specs there even in um, late August um, in Calgary, which I thought was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, starting to see a little bit of snows like when i say a little bit uh, if i've seen more than 20 that's mm-hmm. it um but i i'm we're starting to see the ducks are really getting starting to see some big numbers of ducks the geese or the canadas especially the giants are still kind of on that we haven't had friends all summer so we're not re- and they're still not ready to be friends <laughs> but but uh the 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 specs are starting to roll down that's for sure um but I think we're still a few, a couple more weeks before we really get into the heat of mm-hmm. the heat of the migration. You know, it's crazy how things just change so much over time. You know, the specs, they're calendar migrators. Everybody knows that. But it just seems like every year, at least from an Arkansans perspective, it feels like every year they start coming down earlier and earlier i mean it wasn't so long ago when i was just a kid you we we didn't really have specs i mean specs were not really a thing and then they started showing up and you get more and they're getting here sooner it's crazy there's times that we'll go outside in late september and you'll start hearing them you know at night come over the house and i'm just thinking in the world and they're starting to rack up on the delta and by you know these days now by a couple weeks into october we're pretty we're pretty juiced and by halloween we've got some serious numbers of speckle belly geese it's just mind-blowing to me i don't know maybe it's when i think of the grand scheme of time and i just think of how much uh they've changed over you know the course of hunting and going out into the in the field you know with my dad as a kid and then now you know seeing them rack up on the grand prairie you know by the middle of october it's just it's pretty crazy to me i don't know 
I, I, I'd agree there. The, the one thing we notice up here and we often kind of, especially with specs, specs and snows are, you know, not so much the north, north, south migration, but the east, west. And, and where I was in August to see specs this far south kind of seemed a bit odd. But what was really interesting was how far west they were um, being almost in, in Calgary um, to see them that close is, it just seems like they're slowly pushing their way further west, um, as you know, as the years go on, and and like, it's just been usually the typical cutoff is about an hour, hour and a half north of me, and then they, there's kind of almost an imaginary line that goes to Saskatchewan when it starts to get when you start talking Arctic geese and cranes, um, but now I mean I'm seeing crane fields even as early as last year we were seeing crane fields down in the Brooks area that that. You know, we're not talking mass numbers, 200 cranes or something, but there was a time when that was, you'd think that that wasn't going to happen just based on the, the flight paths of them. But yeah, it's the change. It's interesting and it's how well they adapt and kind of change their plan up is it's pretty neat. No doubt. I was talking to one of our outfitters in West Texas the other day, and he said that they got a call from a farmer that they had a couple thousand geese show up and i said like two weeks ago and i said do what like were they specs and he said they were lessers and i was like really in august and he said yes and he said i drove over there and he said they blew through in a day and he said they were gone but he said a couple thousand geese like lessers i was like what like that is the that I was like, no way. And he was like, I am telling you. The farmer called me and said, you are not going to believe this. He said, I went over there. He said, bye. It wasn't even 20 hours, I think, and they had blown through. But he said, yes. He said, we had lesser Canada geese that came through in August. And I said, dude, wow, that's nuts. So that That is, I mean, not that I'm in the main area for lessers, but I haven't even started to really see any of them. Any of the geese that, that I've hunted and even the ones that were when we were with the, on Mondays specifically when we actually um, shot a couple geese um, with one of our outfitters, they're all just giant swabs. So the sad blasters that far south, that's wild. Wow. Yeah. If it wasn't a guy that did it for a living, I would have said, yeah, right. Like this dude has no idea what he's talking about. Like he saw, I think he said 1500 is what he said, what he figured it was. And I would have said no way, but it's a guy that literally does this for a living. He knows what he's, what he's looking at and what he's doing. I mean, he's a very credible source. So uh, I just thought that was pretty wild. What kind of reports are you getting from, you know, other God services and outfitters across Canada? right now you know whether it be saskatchewan or manitoba or peace river what are you hearing talking talking to so talking to um some of these guys like even early 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 on um back in july when we all kind of got started and guys started you know with the border opening and stuff guys were calling about decoys um the big report i got from one of our outfitters north of edmonton had said that He's, he's born and raised there, and he's never seen this many geese in his entire life. 
uh, up there in terms of just the number of them. Never mind, you know, this was, you know, whether they had a hatch or not. Um, and that kind of started, it's been the kind of the common theme and the common trend across the guys up north is whether it's ducks or, or Canada's that they're seeing large numbers of it. And that's, I believe that um, while it has been insanely dry this year and we did not get hardly anything for a snow runoff in the spring. So a lot of these puddles that have, you know, historically held water, I've driven to Saskatoon three times now um, and it's just bone dry. They're cutting crop that didn't even, like there's no, there's nothing on it. They're just cutting it for straw at this point because mm-hmm. it didn't head out or anything. Um, I think all these birds push north to find water, um, get up into that bush country. And um, but from my reports and talking with them with respect to the Arctic geese, that north country, they're coming. They've been there for a bit. Um, you know, as you said earlier with the specs, and it's a it's a calendar bird. Specs move out, lessers roll in. Um, seen lots of ducks though. Uh, yeah. The one thing that's been consistent when the guys I've talked to, whether they're outfitters or just you know our customers that, that are out doing some hunting and just asking them how they're doing, spotting what they're seeing, um, and and my own what I've seen, um, just driving around and and whatnot, kind of north of here is just lots of ducks. Um, stacked up on bigger water um just as they're trying to find water so Mm -hmm. i do think that the ducks the duck population is going to be all right this year probably isn't going to it certainly isn't going to be a world record year for a hatch but i'm i'm not convinced that it's as bad as they say it is at least in my little neck of the woods Mm -hmm. and my circle of of the guys that i've spoken with sure yeah i'll tell you what my instagram social media, Facebook, whatever news feeds are jammed up with a lot of brown ducks from guys that are hunting <laughs> in Canada. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of birds falling right now. I don't think anybody yeah. has seen any let down or let up from their experiences in the past. In fact, I think I've got reports that people are doing better for the reason that birds are, pretty concentrated they're finding them and they're getting on them and they're they're laying into them pretty good so we'll see what happens uh, as they start moving and make their way you know down their respective flyways and to the bottom and lower portions we'll see but i'm confident that you know everybody you know if you you put in some work and put in some time out there and i think people are going to find success, you know, just as, just as much this year as they have any other years. I mean, we're still, our numbers are still well above the long-term averages. So I, I don't think it's anything to worry over. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. And, and I mean, I've got some belief to think that we may have a bit of an early winter. Um, Just talking to a couple guys that they've, they think that we're, wherever they heard it, whether it was a farmer's almanac or, or whatever the case was that they're, we're expecting, we get it every year anyways, but some snow in, in October. But the big hit to that was I saw two days ago, a friend of mine, um, they shot a pretty much full green head already. Really? Uh, and they're, they're probably three hours north of me. They're, they're closer to Edmonton. 
something and and yeah it was it was green so i thought huh if that's an indication of an early winter then <laughs> man i'd love that bring it on weird. man yeah well you know what hunting in the snow is is pretty fun i, I enjoy doing that and not that i'm rushing for the snow to get here I, i'd like to get through a bit more of a migration than instead sure. of having them all leave in a day but sure. it's uh yeah i'm ready for I'm ready for it to get a little bit colder anyways. Yeah, it's definitely a little different thought process when you're in that country as opposed to where I'm at yeah. as a wintering ground. So it's a little different thought process. But, man, I something about a little cool breeze going up my neck and the thought of <laughs> thought of a, a little wintry mix gets me excited. Katie said something in a text today in the group text, something about, something about being cold i want to be cold or uh, the thought of shivering gets me fired up i think the word he used it like turns him on i said whoa man like chill out <laughs> you, you want to cool you want to cool them down yeah. send them up here in november that's we, right we'll, 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 we got days where it's minus four and we're hunting that's right we'll see how the body of that uh that canon camera feels whenever you uh you're hanging out in temperatures like that those little fingers it gets to that point you know it's, it's like a make a grown man cry you know your fingers get so cold it almost gets to the point where it's like you want to cry and it's almost laughable how bad your fingers hurt and then when you try to warm them up it makes it they hurt even worse and you're like you literally <laughs> want to just get into a ball and, and cry as a grown man like your fingers hurt so bad and i'll tell you what sometimes when you're doing media you got to be careful because those fingers, if they get past the point of no return and it's one of those days that it's single digits below zero and you lose your fingers and you don't have a way to get them back with either, you know, uh, hot hands or there's some moisture in the air. Like you're, you're not in a good place. I mean, I've been there and it is just not a good place to be. We've talked about when we're hunting, in that minus four temperatures and that's before we even factor in any kind of crazy wind that southern alberta tends to get but hunting out of a an a-frame or something like that and and bringing one of the ice hut for our ice fishing rigs to put a put a buddy heater in there just to keep our toes and our fingers warm yeah absolutely (laughs) now claudio ongaro and the hired hunt guys they're running dive bomb decoys this fall and seem to be off to their usual strong start are you getting any good feedback from them on how they're liking the product yep yep claudio is uh from everything i've heard from him so far with texts and whatnot he's absolutely loving it um i i dropped off the the decoys to him and we put a bunch out in one of his fields there and in front of the lodge and he was just admiring how well they looked and then he uh you put a bunch more out in the field for some clients, and the next day they had uh, they had a flock of Canada's land in it. No calling, nobody sitting there doing anything. It wasn't a blind. The, the birds just landed in the dive bombs, and he did say they got up some video and some camera footage. So I'm hoping to see that at some point after their season. And um, but yeah, they're he's doing he's do, he's uh, he, he's liking them, and he's having great success over them. They shot some specs, Canada's and ducks there just two days ago over them. So. Yeah, they've got a good thing going on, and they have a great YouTube channel, so I can't wait to see some dive bombs featured in some of those videos whenever they start Absolutely. pumping them out next year. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Glad to have those guys 
on board. Now I know we've been going for a little bit, but I want to backtrack just a little bit. Can you just tell us about yourself, about your hunting background and what you were doing prior to dive bomb Canada? Yep. So, um, I'm Ben, obviously, um, in terms of hunting background, um, I grew up in Southern Ontario, uh, hunting big game and, and waterfowl with my dad. Um, always kind of had a liking to waterfowl, especially as a kid sitting in a deer stand versus sitting in a goose blind or, you know, back in the day, actually, I grew up hunting underneath the goose chairs, um, big giant goose in the, the hammock style. Um, and it was just a lot more enjoyable and, and I, I got to play bird dog. We didn't have a dog. So I was my dad's, uh, bird dog. And I can't tell you how many times it was hit the deck and birds are coming and you're out there chasing a running goose or whatever. And anyway, so that's, I kind of grew up doing that. Um, and then he passed when I was young and I didn't really get back into hunting until I moved out West, uh, when I was about 20, 21, um, just kind of went with waterfowl mainly because of where I was living at the time. Uh, I was renting a condo building, a unit in a condo building and not really a prime location to hang a deer. And I don't, I guess at the time didn't even think about quartering it out or, or anything of that nature. And, and also with the fond memories of, of hunting, you know, ducks and geese with my dad, it was kind of something I took a real, it was like a spark kicked in. I was like, this is what's been missing. Um, and it's just kind of spiraled from there. I think it started, you know, with my wife kind of like, Oh, this is just a, you know, a hobby or something that he's, you know, he's interested in it. And it's gone to the point now where it's, you know, we, we live where we live. Um, you know, we bought where we did just to have proximity to, to fields. We've got three Labrador retrievers that I, I spend all summer training and it's just become a, a huge passion and then you know I, I took some of that and did, did some guiding um working for a couple different outfits over the time and, and found a fit with one um up north there and and trevor was awesome top of the flyway he he was fantastic to work for and it just you know i was at the time doing that trying to juggle a full-time job because it's you can't necessarily make a living as a guide up here unless you get into some fishing stuff. It's, we can't really chase it down South. Mm-hmm. And I was working as a, um, transport trailer refrigeration mechanic, uh, uh at a meat packing plant. They had a, all the trailers there to transport the meat. And yeah, and I left that to, to join the dive bomb crew and, and start building Canada. What is your favorite species to hunt? Giants, giant Canada's. Um, I mean, yeah, it changes, I guess, as the, the season rolls. Right now, I've got a, a fiend for, for ducks, a hankering for ducks, but at the end of the day, it's, it's giants, especially down, um, fortunate enough to have some permissions along, you know, over towards the mountains. And it's, it's pretty hard to beat that backdrop with the, the Rocky Mountains and, shooting giant Canada geese in late November. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely giant. So you like picking on the big Tonys, huh? Yeah. And it's funny enough, my dogs, I think my biggest, my biggest, I have three females and she's about 60, 65 pounds at her prime fighting weight. 
So everyone's like, you like shooting giants and you've got small dogs. I'm like, yep, they figure out how to handle yeah, it. Yeah, it's like Simba, man. That's the size he is, man. He loves, loves a confrontation with the Canada Goose. I don't know. I guess he likes to likes the challenge of trying to carry back a 12-pound honk <laughs> with his little bitty frame and that thing trying to trying to keep it from dragging the ground. It's pretty fun to watch. And then they go from, you know, if you're in the same hunt where you, you know, maybe over a little body of water and you smoke a teal or something, it's so funny because then they almost like <laughs> eat the thing. You know, they're so yeah. used to like getting this big mouthful of these huge, you know, giant Canada geese and then a little green wing teal get smoked and it, they dang near just, eat the whole thing they're awesome they make everything better now let's talk about dive bomb canada and how it came to be ben do you remember the first interaction we had with one another i i know that it was a couple years ago i had reached out to you about this as i'm sure you know it was a hey you know let's let's uh you know there's nothing up here um and I think that there's an opportunity here. And I think at that point in dive bombs growth, it just wasn't something that was feasible. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot, it's a, it is, it's been a, a big undertaking. Um, so I, and then it would just, I stayed persistent in, in terms of staying in touch with you. And, and also at that point, you know, the, the switch kind of flipped for me and it was, it, you know, if this is something that, that I'd like to do because I can't, you know, I, I want to make sure that when I, next time I talk to Asher about this opportunity that, you know, I, I can say I've done this, this, here's some people that can vouch for me that are names in the industry that, you know, that you would know and, and that are res- well respected and just to try and build a bit of a name for myself in the process. On a scale of one to 10, how are you liking your job so far? 12. Uh. <laughs> Are you just saying I, that because you're talking to me or really it's a 12? It's a 12. It's, you know, and I even, when we were at Game Fair, I talked to, talked to the boss man, Cody, about this too. And it's, you know, it, it's still some days I wake up and it's like, am I really doing this? To, like, is this really, this isn't a dream? It's, it's awesome. It's fantastic. It's some days stressful. Uh, some days lots of miles, um, lots of driving, but it's, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's I'm having a lot of fun meeting a lot of great people, seeing the the pictures come through from guys that have bought decoys. There's, you know, talking to guys on the phone that call me and what do you recommend and having a, a discussion and over the course of a half an hour or a 45 minute conversation of even and or through text, a, a friendship's born and, and, you know, they get their decoys. They send me pictures of, Hey, decoy showed up. Can't wait. And now the seasons are opening up. I'm starting to get pictures of, you know, successful hunts and here's what we did for spread setups. And they're just, it's, it's in all aspects, it's been just a, a absolute blast. Awesome. At what point in our conversation back and forth with one another, did you say, man, this, they might actually be entertaining this. This could actually become a reality. It was right for me. It was when uh, we were chatting about it, and you had asked, you had directly asked for me, and had given me your email for a resume. And I went home that day and and had a conversation with my wife, and said, "I think I think this might like you know 
he, he didn't just this is a Asher wants to see this and have a conversation about this and it just kind of like there might be a chance that we can get dive bomb up in Canada um, and, and and start doing this thing and then it just it kind of spiraled and snowballed from there it felt like there, I know there was some delays and I know you guys were prepping with squad fest and it was a bit of a back and forth and there was some holdups with vacation times as well for for some of the guys in, in the in the warehouse and whatnot but it was right around the time you asked for my resume direct and that's kind of when <laughs> okay I think uh, we're going to have to put you on the hot seat. I don't know how hot it's going to be because I I don't really have any questions that come to mind that are going to be that hot, but I'll do the best I can. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite thing about your new job? Favorite thing about my new job? Um, I, I think it's it's just meeting meeting people. Uh, yeah, meeting the different outfitters. Uh, like I said last weekend, visiting with three different outfitters, um, meeting guys, seeing this, seeing their setup, seeing how they do things, how they run their camps, and just forming relationships and, and building what I hope to be lifetime friendships with these guys. What's your least favorite thing about your job? Oh man. Um, I guess if I got to pick anything, it's moving the boxes around in the warehouse by hand. <laughs> Do we have a forklift yet? Yeah, we got a forklift now. Um, so th- that that's not that a hot seat question. <laughs> that's just me <laughs> thinking out loud. Yeah, we've got a forklift. I guess the answer to that question stems from when we were moving stuff in and out of my basement. <laughs> yeah. I ask everybody this just because it's an easy question. It's usually entertaining to see, but who's your favorite follow on the gram? Uh, there's a, there's a face, uh, page called Leroy and Leroy, and they are, uh, probably the most Canadian thing I could come up with. Um, two guys out of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, that one guy's in front of the camera's name's Leroy, the guy behind the camera's Leroy. And they go around to small, they do go to, they've gone to Calgary and Edmonton, but they go to small towns and they kind of just make funny, funny videos about random signs about like, you know, you can't park here between this time and this time or this day and this time and this time. So really you can only park on Sundays. (laughs) It's just some funny stuff they do on small towns in, in Canada. I think I've found a new favorite follow on the gram. It's a page somebody sent me the other day. It's called Cart Narks. And Cart Narks? Yeah. Somebody sent it to me after I posted. So this guy, Brett Hendricks, he's a friend of mine. And he's really big on the cart theory, the shopping cart theory, which I think it's I had seen it before and I thought it was I'm not great. Familiar with and it. Brett like He's all about it, and it's I, I like it because I, I think it does tell a lot about a person. But basically what the shopping cart theory is, you know what? I'm going to just – I'm just going to look it up so I don't mess it up. I want you to see if you agree or disagree with me on this. So I'm trying to get it pulled up, but basically the shopping cart – is what determines whether a person is a good or bad member of society. Now, some people might disagree with me. So 
Okay, I found it. I found it. It says the shopping cart is the ultimate test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. To return the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task and one which we all recognize as the correct, appropriate thing to do. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their cart. Simultaneously, it is not illegal to abandon your shopping cart. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. No one will punish you for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you or kill you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing by returning the shopping cart. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart because it is the right thing to do, because it is correct. The next paragraph says, A person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal, an absolute savage who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with the law and the force that stands behind it. And it sums up saying the shopping cart is what determines whether a person is a good or bad member of society. And I have to say, there's probably going to be people that listen to this that don't agree, but I could not agree more. I mean, I really couldn't. If, if there is an emergency or something that comes up, I think that, that could be an acceptable situation to leave a cart somewhere. But I I can't really elaborate any more on what I just read. I just, all I have to say is that I agree. So with all that said, let me get back to my original point. Cartnarks is a page somebody sent me after I posted that on my story. And they said, dude, check this out. And basically what it is, is people with, their phone video going up to people after they leave their card out and like, like putting them on blast and interviewing them be like, Hey man, like you're the stalls like right there. It's like 10 feet away and you left your cart in a parking spot or you left that cart next to that guy's door. It's going to roll into their car. And they're basically like putting these people on blast. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. So not that anybody listening probably cares, but Cartnarks, I think, is my new favorite follow on the gram. And I do I do agree. And my wife thinks it's so stupid. I don't know why, which I think is crazy. But she's like, that's dumb. Like, you, if you look at somebody and you watch them come out of Walmart and just push their cart up on the curb, like, you think they're a bad member of society. And I'm like, I mean... They're not a good member of society, you know, unless this guy has an emergency that I don't know about. That cart stall is like 15 feet from him. There's really no excuse. I don't know. I don't even know why I'm rambling on this. It's completely irrelevant. But you know what? If you agree with me or disagree with me, feel free to uh, send me a message. Let me know what you think about that. I'd be interested to hear. Maybe I'll post it in our Facebook group. I'll do a poll and say, does the shopping cart theory determine, does it truly determine in non-emergency situations if someone is a good or bad member of society? And I would bet you 90% or more would agree. I could be wrong, but what do you think, I think man? you're probably right. What, what's your, I, I think what's you're your probably take right. on the, the shopping one, cart theory? The one argument I could make, you could make for that back is, is, you know, by me pushing the cart back, 
it's kind of kind of my same thing with self checkouts. I have a real issue with self checkouts, and I'll avoid the the ramble on that one. But I guess the one logic or the one argument back would be, well, I'm keeping someone employed if I leave the carts out there, so they have something to do during the day. Yeah, but they still have to go get them from the stall. You're just you're actually creating more work for them by having to go yeah. out of their way to the back forty to get your cart that you were too lazy to bring back <laughs> to the stall. So they still have a job. You're just making yep. their job more difficult. Just in yeah, your mind, you're right. it, you, know it, you leave you're leaving the cart with that mindset, like, meh, not my problem anymore. Somebody <laughs> else's problem. It's like, at what point is it, it? It actually is our problem. It's our. You took the cart out of the stall, so you need to put it back. It's like my kids. You know, if they go to somebody's house yeah. and take toys out of the toy box, well, when they get done with them, I'm not just going to leave them there and say, well, those people can pick it up. That's their problem now. It's like, no, son. You put your toy back in the toy box where you found it. That's how things work. If you borrow somebody's decoys, you bring them back the way you found them. And if you screw them up or you shoot them or do something, you leave them the way you found them. Maybe you should, you probably should buy them a new dozen or replace some if you screw them up. I don't know, man. That's just, that's the way I am. I don't even know how we got off on talking about that. Um, Actually, I do know. I asked you your follow, favorite fall on the gram, and I just it was just burning at my soul, Ben, to share that. So, uh, <laughs> I can uh, one one thing I'd like to see is a. Well, I'll leave it at this with the Instagram stuff. I'd like to see is a, I don't know what it is about videos where guys are like a decoy gets shot. Um, I think Split Read had shared one there that one of the dive bombs took it in the head. I don't know what it is about decoys getting shot in a in a spread that I, I just I, I almost cry laughing every time I see one. So, dude, if you uh, want to watch I'd, a funny like video, if you want to see a funny video of that, Front Range Guide Service, they're in Front Range of Colorado, and they had a group come in on the far end of a pit, and there's this guy like they're like on Jeff Caldwell's like on the end, on the end. And this guy's like, and Jeff's like on the end. And he comes up and man, just absolutely destroys a V2. That's like right on the end of the pit. There's like four birds landing. It is. These birds are so close, dude. And these guys are just like frantically trying to find them. And Jeff's like screaming at them. They sound like me at my kid's T-ball practice. Like tag him, tag him, tag him. You know, Jeff's like on the end, on the end, on the end. The people that follow us, I'm, guarantee you they'll know the video i'm talking about but if you don't you got to go back to the archives and find it. it is freaking hilarious so before i get I'm gonna off on a further tangent and get totally off track i've got one more hot seat question for you that came to mind this yeah. one will be a little bit hotter because quite yeah. frankly none of these have been difficult because i ain't got nothing difficult to ask you but this will be the best one between forrest kyle and Cade, who did you enjoy hanging out with the most at game fair Oh, put me right. Oh, that is a tough one. <laughs> um, everybody, uh, everybody's fantastic. I think just based on um, the amount of time that I got to spend with guys, just how busy they were getting pulled in a million different directions. I spent the most time talking with Forrest um, and, and really enjoyed our conversations. And, and actually before I flew out um, from Minnesota, I spent a little bit of time with Forrest at the airport there before you guys all, uh, 
all took off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, because I have to answer that question. I can't really just say all. So you just yeah, like, Forrest, you like Forrest the best? You liked him better than Colin Cade, huh? No, yeah, that's where, I knew that's where this was going. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you are off to a great start and will continue to be the catalyst for the success of Dive Bomb Canada. What are some of your goals for our operation north of the border? I would like to see, um, I think, I think just build the brand, um, continue to continue to let people know, first of all, that we're in Canada. I think, you know, being a Canadian that we're so accustomed to, you just have to go over the border or, um, you know, or you have to deal with big box store. Um, so I think big thing is spread the word. Um, and that, that's kind of been my focus is, is get these decoys in as many people's hands as I can. Um, outfitters and and you know, just guys that are trying to get out on a weekend or, or an evening after work um, and let them know that that we're here and and you know let them let the product speak for itself I think the fact that people don't have to deal with duties and brokerage fees is huge just knowing your bottom line and what you're going to pay and not being mm -hmm. given any surprises i think is the biggest thing yep yep i i would 100 percent agree both as someone who's been a customer um and, and now on this end of it it's here's your price out the door here's what you're getting right you know what my goal is for dive bomb canada it's that and you have certainly done this up to this point. This is not saying that you haven't. My goal is as you continue to do this and as you get used to it and as it continues to grow, we keep the exact same service and attention to detail there that we've established yep. here. And that yep. is the number one thing. Regardless of product, success in the field over the product, new products, all that stuff's great. We love it. Mm -hmm. But the relationship and the professionalism and the attention to detail with our customers is the most important thing. And I want that to continue to be the most important thing here. And I want it to be the most important thing there, no matter how big we get. That's the biggest thing for me. And that's, that's been, you know, as someone who, what, you know, has been a customer of dive bomb in the past. It's one thing that, you know, on the, my, on the customer end of it, I know how nice that felt and how, you know, how it was, uh, it, it was almost kind of strange in, in, in a weird way that, you know, a company actually had that customer service level to it. And that's something that, that I've taken on as, you know, I need to meet these, I see how you are on, on social media and how I interacted with you. And it's just something that it needs to, it needs to ring through up here. It shouldn't be any different up here than it is, than it is. If you call you, Kyle, any of those guys, if you call them and have that conversation, it should go no different than up here. Good customer service is rare these days. I mean, if I, if I reach out to a company and they've got good customer service, I'm actually caught off guard because I'm expecting mm -hmm. the new normal has become poor customer service, honestly. So I just expect that with most yep. of my dealings with people. Yep. And then when all of a sudden you do 
get really good service. And the best way to measure customer service is not when things are going good, but it's when something goes bad. It's easy to have good customer service when everything's great, but when you screw something up or shit hits the fan, that's whenever customer service is, that's the difference maker, you know, in customer service is whenever something bad happens. It's not necessarily when something good happens. I mean, everything is good every single day. It's when you have that one bad transaction out of, it don't matter if it's 99.8% of great things, but what about that 0.2%? How did we handle that? And how was that transaction settled? Was the customer happy? Were they pleased with the final result of the transaction or the interaction and will they continue to be a customer? I think that's the biggest thing with customer services. Obviously you want to have good customer service when things are going good in the day to day, but what separates a good company from a bad company is how do they handle issues that arise? I, you know, I agree. I, you know, I, I, often have said that to, to my wife and, and friends is just, you know, in a, in a world where, you know, digital and where you would think in a world like today where, you know, there's not that everybody, not that people are copying people, but that there's plenty of options out there and, and access to those options on the internet. You would think customer service would be of the utmost importance. And, and unfortunately in most cases it's not. And it's having been a customer on that side of it, I think that that I, I think that really helps. Uh, at least I speak for myself on this. I think that it helps me um, when it comes to you know how would I want to be treated in this situation on the back end, on the other side. Yeah, it's always important to look at things from every angle, not just not just our own angle, but how would we feel if we reverse this situation? That's what I try to do with any situation: is say put myself in their shoes and how would I look at it? And then you just move forward with the best decision that you can for the company and the customer, you know, and you put your head down at night and you know, you did the best thing you could for, for dive bomb and you did the best thing that you could for the customer. Then and that's all you can do. So yep. can you tell our listeners a little bit about our new dive bomb Canada facility? Sure. Um, yeah, we're, uh, total square footage of the building is 20,000 square feet, 16,000 of its warehouse, and then 4,000 of it is listed as office space. Um, so, uh, it, it actually, the building before we moved in, um, used to be an old welding shop. So lots of bay doors, uh, lots of, lots of fans and, and kind of equipment and, and stuff that isn't necessarily stuff that we need to be using, but it, the, having the bay doors and being able to open everything up from a loading and unloading when, when stuff arrives is really, really convenient and handy. Um, and then inside, uh, on the second floor, we have an opportunity to hopefully make a little bit of a, a lodge type thing or a, a crash point for you guys when, when the, the squad is on a, you know, wants to come up here and do some freelancing um, got an opportunity to, to put some beds up there, some bunk beds, and, and we've got a shower and a couple of bathrooms. And right now it's, it doesn't look, it's not, we don't, I don't have a showroom set up. We don't have any of that stuff done just based on time to move in here. I haven't, 
he'd begun to put together a showroom. Um, but it, it's, yeah, we're right off the highway, right off the Trans-Canada Highway. Um, great location for it. And it's, yeah, we're, <laughs> 20, when a lot, the, the main comment I get when customers come to do a, a pickup, they're a little, they, they pull in, I send them a pin, they, they pull into the location and they call me and say, I'm not sure I'm in the right, right spot. And I'm, I can see, I can see them. They pulled into the, the parking lot. I said, no, is that you in the whatever color vehicle? Yep. Yeah. You're in the right spot. Come on to the front. I'll let you in. That's awesome. Yeah. As far yeah. as the showroom, I mean, you've got most important thing right now is getting these decoys out, getting them to customers yep. quick. Now is it's killing time up there and you know, you'll have plenty of time come, you know, after season to put a showroom and all that together. So we just moved in. That's really not that important. It'll, it'll all happen in due time. And now customers, they, they are welcome to come by anytime and pick up decoys. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I just asked that they shoot me a text. I've got one guy coming here uh, Saturday afternoon. We just kind of scheduled that. Just give me a heads up and, and I can, we can get a time put together here and I'll just, you know, if it's a weekend or something, then I can, I can meet you over here. How can customers get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of me. They can uh, preferably text me, um, 403-404-1128. Um, and then that or on Facebook um, or Instagram. All right. I can't wait to get up there and hang out in your neck of the woods here in a few weeks. Early season is fun, but I've got October mallards and honkers on my mind, buddy. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's you're going to get some Canadian Canadian Thanksgiving hospitality. Yeah, and I was going to say, we also get to enjoy Canadian Thanksgiving with you guys. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go make a few phone calls and see if I can get uh, one of those how to write turkeys for Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's really kind of you guys being willing to let us intrude on your holiday like that. Hey, it's, you know what? We, we spend it hunt. We spend it bird hunting anyways. We're, everybody's looking forward to it. I guess made a few phone calls got a few guys that are gonna give a hand with with locating some fields and and kind of try and just know the area make it a little easier at least for the first few days while you guys get your your bearings under you and it's gonna be fun well ben you're doing a great job man keep up the good work thank you for your time to join me because i know you got a lot going on you're a very busy man and I uh, appreciate you hopping on, talking about Dive Bomb Canada. And, you know, we're going to do our best to continue to serve our customers up there the same way we serve them here out of uh, Maryland Heights, Missouri. So you're doing a great job, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Asher. All right, Ben. I'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Bye. All right, Ben Commodore Dive Bomb Canada. If you guys did not know you can shop Dive Bomb Canada duty and brokerage fee, you can. DiveBombCanada.com. It's that easy. Season is rolling right along. We're just bouncing from one place to the next, and we're having an awful lot of fun. Like I say on literally every podcast episode, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit that notification so 
you'll know whenever we drop a new video. Got a lot of very cool stuff coming. Hop over in our Facebook group. You got any questions, comments, a lot of cool things happening over there. Until next time, y'all be good. Thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. Thank you.